the things we talk about, you know, expanding and contracting and working through your emotions, it's not a head game. You know, you can consciously say, okay, I'm going to try to drop into my body now. But if your nervous system is going into fight or flight, there's just not much you can do. And I think there's an element to physical shape and strengthening your nervous system that helps you feel the extreme streams. Kind of like this puzzle that we don't really know how it all fits together, but it does somehow. And we're all fulfilling someone else's um, experiences in a way that we agree to. So I wouldn't put it all on intuition or all on spirit guides or all on higher self or whatever. I think it might be a combination of many things. Those are kind of like those those synergistic moments when when we see that we're actually doing something like we're we're completing a plan that our unconscious mind laid out for us. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Ninety-five percent of our experiences are basically programmed. Like we're not actually consciously creating until, and this was the fun part. They've done multiple studies on the brain, and they found that taking the quote red pill and being conscious of your experiences happens when you fall in love. Fall in love. <laughs> I don't know how much what I can talk about, but but just like having a dream and then communicating that dream, and then like oh I had that dream too, or you know just like little little things like that that you're like how in the world do things like this line up? This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy in this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone all right welcome back to infants on thrones i'm glenn ostland and this is episode 746 What's the deal with synchronicity? And today I am once again joined by Shalice and Mike from the Mormons on Mushrooms podcast. And we were initially going to have Kimber Tiernan join us as well. Now, Kimber was recently interviewed on the Mormons on Mushrooms podcast. It's episode 50, exploring the Akashic records with Kimber Tiernan. But she had a conflict at the last minute and she wasn't able to join. And the only reason I'm telling you this is so that you will understand the first few minutes of today's discussion where I asked Shalice and Mike about a few things that came up in their interview with Kimber. And then we started talking about synchronicities and all other kinds of things that I hope you will find interesting today. And I hope that you will hear things that both support and challenge whatever story you have in your mind about what this whole living on earth thing is all about and who you are and how you fit into all of it. Because... We all carry around our stories, don't we? And those stories shape the way that we experience reality, the way that we interact with other people. And none of those stories are true. 
None of the stories are complete. None of the stories are accurate. All of the stories, like everything else in life, are in a constant state of evolution. That's part of my evolving story, at least. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope it's valuable for you. I hope you're always looking at your own stories and kicking the tires and challenging them and blah, 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 blah. So there you go. Now, all right, let's see what happens. <laughs> it's interesting they consent now to record. I yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> so, so what's going on in your world? So, so I, I, I listened to that episode that you did that you had Kimber on. Mm-hmm. And I was was hoping that we'd be able to talk with her tonight. I'm a little disappointed that she couldn't make it. But I, what what has been the response of your audience after you published that episode? You know what? This one has really surprised me because when we were bringing it on, I was excited for it, but mm-hmm. I was a little worried that our audience wouldn't be into it. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of downloads, I mean, it's one of our more recent ones, but it... I think in the first week was our most downloaded episode we've had yet. Wow. Really? Yeah. Which is super surprising. Uh, wow. And that's then great. the comments have all just been that super fascinating. I mean, we've gotten some comments like this is really into the woo. And I'm like, yeah, it's really into the woo. <laughs> but I think it, we, it, you know, Kimber, she has such a good energy and a way to approach it that it feels it's super woo woo, but it's approachable too. It feels grounded. Yeah. Yeah. To where it's kind of like you can hold it kind of loosely or hold it, you can hold it however you want. Um, but regardless, it, it's fascinating. Um, yeah. And she has said that she's gotten many, many clients from our, our listeners once yeah. it aired. She's like, within the first day, I got a whole bunch of calls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When, when, I, when I used to have uh, Krista Evans on, I, I had her on Infants on Thrones a few times and I know she booked up after I would have her on, even though most of the audience and, and almost every single, I think every single other infant panelist, like hated when I'd bring her on. <laughs> really? Like, hated it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, there, there, there are a few people I know that um, she still is working with as a result of that. And that was years, years ago. Hmm. Um, so that's cool. The, the, the part, that I thought was really brave of you guys was at the end where you got vulnerable and she was talking about your mission mm. and the mission of the podcast and the role of like healing people in the community through the podcast. Have people responded to that? I haven't gotten any response to that part of you, Shalice. Has anyone talked about that? Um. Not that I can recall. I mean, that was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah. You know what? There was, we have had a a few comments and, but they've been positive in the, because she talks about the ripples that we're creating Mm -hmm. and, you know, she's like, you don't, you don't understand the ripples, the impact right now. And We've had a few people reach out and be like, I'm part of that ripple. So thank you. Mm. I'm like, oh, that's oh, really that's nice. Cool. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> that far was interesting just because, you know, she talks about getting into warrior shape for the mission and to stop partying. Um, 
what what does that mean to you to 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 stop partying and get into warrior shape? That's a good question. Um, you know what? I did have this once when I was on medicine of um, you know, I think I was doing mushrooms or something, but um I was having I was kind of feeling like I think I drank quite a bit the night before and was just kind of feeling off and it was just this thing about my body felt tired. Um, you know, we think for me, the things we talk about, you know, expanding and contracting and working through your emotions and um, feeling more, it's not a head game. You know, you can consciously say, okay, I'm going to try to drop into my body now. But if your nervous system is going into fight or flight, there's just not much you can do. And I think there's an element to physical shape and strengthening your nervous system that helps you feel the extremes. Um, so that's what it came up for me. You know, I'm not a big partier, but I think there's an element of, I do drink quite a bit and I did, I have cut back on my hoppe use, even though I use it as like a medicine for meditation. Mm. Um, I now space it out every few days. I'll do it once every three days instead of at the time I was doing it every day or sometimes multiple times a day if I was really trying to, yeah. Do you self-administer? I do have the, uh, the one with, it's like a little V. There's, there's two types. There's the tepi that's like you blow in someone else's nose. Right. And there's another one that's like, I forget the name of that one, but you, you just put one in your mouth and one in your nose and you blow it. And you blow it into your yeah. own nose. Uh-huh. How do, how do you do that without it having like coming back through your nasal passage and getting into the back of your throat? Oh, it does. Oh, it does. It does. <laughs> oh, it does. Yeah. Okay. It's part of it. And you blow it out and, um, but you can go, I mean, the meditations are intense, but you know, it, just like anything, you can use it as a crutch. And I think I was using it too much to kind of try to feel through things and try to move stuff that, and unlike mushrooms and some of the substances where we talk about like ayahuasca, LSD, those aren't mm. physically addictive substances or not that we're aware of, but nicotine, mm. nicotine is, you know, they've got nicotine in there. So in, in hoppe. Yeah. Cause it's basically just tobacco and tree bark cinders or you know some yeah. things like that they'll put other things in it like some of them have have like rose in it and some of them have like so they do different yeah. blends with different plants right. but there is tobacco in there and now yeah. you know some sites say well it's the pure tobacco you know they don't have all the chemicals that you know are in cigarettes and stuff yeah. but it's still tobacco and it contains nicotine and it's a physically addicting substance yeah. and um so I, but did you feel like you got addicted to it? I don't know about if I feel like I got physically addicted to it just because when I stopped using it, it's not like I went through withdrawals or anything, you know, I didn't get any symptoms of when I stopped using it as frequently, mm. but I do think there were times when I, you know, I used it a lot when I was feeling really anxious and maybe I was feeling anxious because I wanted to do it. I don't know. That's the trick. Right. Um, mm. And, but so I, I, I've liked using it less. And when I do use it now, it is more kind of intense and I can use it more for like a meditation. I, I, you know, put on headphones, I set an intention and I, you know, I meditate. Um, but I, but as a result of the Kimber episode, it got me to relook at that and say, okay, where, where am I using medicine too much in my life? Or it, maybe as a way to not feel emotions rather than feel I don't know, kind of second guess that, but, 
But the, the whole- so is that what the warrior, like d- going in as a warrior means that you're able to engage with your emotions and not avoid them in any way? Is that what that's about? I don't know. I just, I just interpreted it as just being strong, mind, body, soul, mm-hmm. not necessarily like to fight a war or anything, but just to be strong and grounded within yourself. And, you know, I think, and then, and then how do you, how do you know when you're uh, like, if you're partying too much, like if you're part, I don't know, just trying to make that distinction between yeah. don't party so much, become a warrior. Just curious. Well, I think it's about intention. About intention. Yeah. I mean, that's what, it, that's what came across to me. The message was she mentioned keeping the medicine sacred so if you're doing it for that type of purpose and that intention, instead of just, I want to feel high tonight, hmm. I think that's the difference is having a, a real, a purpose that serves you and a purpose that respects the medicine. And as, as far as the mission part goes, that one was interesting to me because I would wonder how like listeners react to that part because there is an element of like, you know, when we started the podcast, it wasn't like, oh, we have this mission to, to save people or anything. It's like, no, let's just talk about our stories. And we want to talk about our stories and and share what we were doing to that were, that was helping us in the process. And, you know, since then you've seen, I mean, there's been a cool community that's built that the podcast isn't like it's brought people to the community but the community has become its own separate entity to the podcast almost in fact i think a lot of people in the community don't even listen to the podcast um is that that facebook community yeah the facebook community yeah and um so when i think of it in terms of the mission it's easy to get caught up in the seriousness of that or or of that word but I think there, I think it's a mission and it's not just like a me, Doug, Shalise mission. I think there's something about the, especially the people we're meeting in this community and Glenn, you're a part of it as well. Like everyone kind of bringing their unique selves to it and contributing something in whatever way to helping people, I don't know, find, find meaning after Mormonism in a way, or, or find, find their true selves. Um, I don't know if I'm caveating it too much. There. No, I, I agree. I think I'll piggyback on that because I think the mission isn't necessarily to be the healer. It's to hold space for people to find healing within the group. Hmm. Yeah. And I love that. And, and I think, you know, with the Mormons on mushrooms platform, it's almost like we've set up a stage, but who, you know, come get on the stage and share your, story share share your talents share your contribution be your yeah. weird ass self you know and i don't know i uh, you know well we'll see where it goes from here <laughs> we just celebrated it, our one year anniversary <laughs> i was just about to ask it's been about a year right yeah yeah we were all together too yeah. <laughs> oh that's fun yeah it, we didn't plan it that way doug came out to visit me with his family you know and she lives close by so we went out for dinner at a uh, What's his name? Danny Trejo. Trejo. Yeah. Yeah. Got to get our picture taken with him. It's, we went to his restaurant. And he showed up. He's like, who? 
you know you'd recognize him if you saw a picture of him danny trejo what's he been in um what's the most notable one he's been in i don't even know i couldn't tell you but i know like when i see his face i know who he is oh okay yeah yeah i definitely know who he is yeah Yeah, it's been a lot of stuff so it's fun we kind of celebrated our one year anniversary (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it's been cool. We'll see where the we'll see where the mission goes from here. <laughs> and maybe it's only one more year, right? Maybe it's a two-year mission. No. <laughs> 18 months for Shalise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else come up uh, for you, Glenn, when you listen to that one? No, I just really wanted to talk to her. I I I I love talking with um, mediums, psychics, especially when they they're like, okay, your guides are here right now. I'm like, okay, here's what I want you to ask them. <laughs> I, I just, I, I love throwing those pitches out there and seeing where they hit them on the field. It's just fun. It was interesting because I felt like her responses really resonated with me in a way. Yeah. You know, they felt genuine. They felt, uh, it felt synchronistic in a lot of the stuff that was coming up for me. Um, oh, synchronicity. Yeah. I had something come up recently on synchronicity. Ooh, share, please share. Okay. So, so what, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately is this deep intelligence that every single one of us is, is walking around with, you know, we, we've got this conscious part of our mind and then the unconscious part of our mind and, and the unconscious is doing so much, mm-hmm. so much that, that it, so I started thinking of it as kind of like the crest of a wave, you know, like you've got a wave on the ocean that has the little white head up on top of it, that that's kind of like our conscious awareness. And then the, the wave itself is the unconscious that's doing all of the stuff that our bodies have to do to, to stay alive. You know, we don't have to give uh, our body instructions on circulating the blood or regulating our hormones or all, all of the things that our body does. There's just so much deep intelligence within the cell, every single cell of our body. And that synchron that, that I think that that deep intelligence extends even beyond the individual's mm-hmm. nervous system. So you've got like Carl Jung's idea of the collective yeah. unconscious, um, Rupert Sheldrake's morphic resonance fields, um, e- even that theoretical physicist, David Tong, that talks about quantum field theory, how every electron is mm-hmm. connected to every other electron. I, I've, I've thought about it. Like, remember that game? Uh, w- where you would take two paper cups and you'd connect them with a string mm-hmm. and yeah. you'd hold one up to your ear and the other one would talk into it. You'd be able to hear it, you know, through the vibration, through that string. Yeah. Like if everybody is really connected at this like uh, subatomic energetic level, it's like we all have these strings <laughs> that are attached to each other where there's some kind of communication, there's some kind of intelligence that's being passed similar to what happens with our unconscious mind, but at like a larger community level. And let's see how I could articulate this, that, that just like our body will do things that our conscious mind sometimes becomes aware, oh, we're doing this. Even if it's like a, a signal from our stomach that it's time to provide nourishment to the cells in your body because they're being starved. You know, like that stuff's all going on. We get these little cues that those are kind of like those, those synergistic moments when, yeah. when we see that 
we're actually doing something like we're, we're completing a plan that our unconscious mind laid out for us. Does that make sense? So it's like when conscious and unconscious meets. Okay. Yeah. So I, like, I, like, I don't you, know if I explained you, that well. Are you talking about like you, you then become aware of what your unconscious mind was doing or like had yeah. set out to do. Yeah. So, so, so the, the, the first time that I, uh, did ayahuasca, I had this really strong impression that uh, everybody in that room was connected at a really, really deep level, even though I had never met any of them before. And, and the, the word that kept coming to me was conspiring, that we've all been conspiring with each other, making plans with each other, doing things for each other, even though that isn't something I was ever conscious of. I'm not communicating with them at that level of conscious communication, but there's some kind of energetic, psychic, some other kind of communication that's happening. And that a moment of synergy is when you become aware of that for a split second that, okay, like all of these unconscious things that we've been conspiring to, we, we did it. Like, I'm going to meet you at this place at this time. <laughs> and then you yeah. do meet that person and you've never actually seen them before, but there's like a deep part of yourself and a deep part of themselves that made the agreement or something yeah so did something come up for you with this or did you oh, recognize one i mean no my whole life has been i, I, I was <laughs> talking with with cammy about some of the synchronicities that brought her and i together um and just <laughs> i don't know how much what i can talk about but but just like having a dream and then communicating that dream and then like oh i had that dream too or, you know, just like little, little things like that, that you're like, how in the world do things like this line up? So I have a story yeah. about that recently. All right. And I think yeah, I can share because I won't share her name, but I have someone that okay. I work with and I was getting uh, drinks with her and uh, it's like a mentor mentee type thing. Um, and uh, we got, I mean, we were just talking about woo woo stuff. We, we talked about yeah. work for the first 15 minutes and we just got into the woo, but like, we were talking about dreams and she was asking me questions about it because, um, you know, I was talking about how I work with my dreams and write them down and analyze them. And, you know, um, and she was kind of asking, she's like, I keep having recurring dreams about somebody. And she's like, well, you know what? I, so I don't know if I should reach out to them in the waking world or what it's going to happen. And I'm like, it's, it's interesting. Sometimes I'll have, I've had dreams of like a, a girl I knew in high school that I haven't thought about in 20 years. And even in high school, it wasn't like she wasn't a crush or anyone I really thought about in high school, but she appeared in my dream. And then that week she sends me a random Facebook message and I've never talked to her in 20 years, but I just had a dream with her about her the week before. So I told her that story. Cause I was just like, look, first step is when you're looking at a dream, everyone in the dream is a part of you. And so think of it that way. And what does that person represent in your psyche? But then I'm like, but you could take it one more step and say, everyone in this waking world is also a part of me. And so even treating life as a waking dream. Well, so we had this conversation. The next morning she texts me and the person she'd been having a recurring dream about was her ex-boyfriend. And 30 minutes, who she hadn't talked to in years. Around 30 minutes after we'd had that happy hour, he he died. He mm. uh, had an accident in, in Hawaii 
and he died. Wow. Which is tragic. You know, I'm not that I'm just saying, but it's a fascinating story. Right. And weird synchronicity. Um, or maybe not. I don't know. Okay. So here's, here's why that's a really interesting synchronicity, Mike, because the story that I was thinking about that I didn't tell you mm -hmm. <laughs> that I just alluded to by saying dream, I'll tell you the story now. Yeah. So Cammy, Cammy and I, uh, and, and you've, you've met her, Mike. Um, we, we went to high school together. I, I was 11 years old when I first met her. She was 10. We went to the same uh, piano teacher. And so I, I grew up knowing her, having a huge crush on her, but she just was not interested in me at all. Like I asked her out for her 16th birthday. She oh, said, that's no, right. you're telling me this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we go on with our lives. Uh, in, in 2010, her ex-husband was listening to Mormon Expression and heard me on it. And he made a friend request on Facebook. And then I saw, oh, you're married to Cammy. I knew her in high school. So we became friends on Facebook. And every once in a while, we'd send emails back and forth. But there wasn't any like, it wasn't like one of those things where you're like, oh, you were, you were my crush. And I, you know, like there was nothing at all like that. It's like, how's your family? Oh, you're out of the church too. Whenever you meet somebody that was in your ward that you grew up with that left the church, it's like, okay, that's interesting. Tell me your story. I'll tell you yeah. mine. Yeah. It's always a fun time. So, so every couple of years would check in with each other. And th this was uh, in, in April of 2018, I had been through my third ayahuasca ceremony and I was maybe like a week out of it and I was in LA for work at a hotel and I woke up at like four in the morning from this dream where I had dreamed that she and I had some really close connection. Uh, like that, that even though we knew each other as kids, there, there was much more, there was a much deeper connection and it was really special mm -hmm. and something that neither of us really were aware of. And I got on Facebook and I sent a message. I said, hey, I just woke up from a really interesting dream about you, which I know is kind of a weird thing to say to somebody on Facebook. Because I hadn't, I hadn't had any interaction with her for probably a year and a half or two years. And then I kind of forgot that I did it. And like a month and a half went by. And then I heard from her and she's like, uh, you know, I, I haven't been on Facebook for a long time, but I felt kind of like I should go on and messenger. So we, we, we talked for a little bit and then that was it. Her husband was upset that she was communicating with me. So they stopped. Then like six months after that, when they decided to split up and she reached out to me was when my wife and I had decided to split up. And so like both of us kind of at the same time, we're coming out of our marriages and we're like, okay, well, let's explore this thing. And just boom, like the hugest, like you've talked before, Shalise, about twin flame kind of stuff is like so many synchronicities. Um, the, the, the first night that we met, in person, we were walking around this, this lake and I see a shooting star and she's like, Oh, I want to see a shooting star. And then there was another one that came right then. And she's like, okay, that's all I need to know. We've got these synchronicities. Um, so all these li like little cheesy things, like my first name is Dow and her name is Kami K A M I and the Japanese, uh, for, for Kami Kami means divine and for Dow the way, and you put the Chinese uh, character for Kami together with the Chinese character for Dao, and you get the, the name Shinto, which is the Japanese religion kind of thing. So she and I are the, anyway, it's just really I all love these it. cool little, That's great. little things that, um, so now our story with each other is that we've got this soul contract where we're helping each other with our 
karma to heal our karmic wounds. And it, it's so cool being with somebody to have that kind of a story so that anytime we've, <laughs> we, we have an argument or anything like that, it's like, okay, we're healing some, some karma right now. We're healing this. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so we were, we were having that conversation about synchronicity, Mike. So it's funny to me that the, example that you gave of synchronicity was somebody having a dream of somebody that they hadn't seen from high school in 20 years anyway yeah that kind of described what happened <laughs> another synchronicity <laughs> yeah and i don't know if i'm going to publish any of that because it's kind of weird <laughs> to talk about oh is that weird if yeah i, I love that story it's like yeah i don't think it's man. weird yeah it's kind of it's it's still you know it's because it's it's hard it's hard for me to be as and this is probably stupid because people who listen to me probably think, Glenn, you've gone way on the woo edge. You shouldn't feel uh, skittish about going into woo, but I still do. I still feel really like, is, is that real or am I just making it up? And there's that, that part of me that judges that still. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I even get it in the sense of like when thinking of, um, oh, it came up for me recently with it. Um, Oh, I was, uh, so one of the, someone in the Facebook community, she's starting her own, own podcast mm -hmm. and she invited me on to kind of be a, a guest and she wanted to pick my brain about starting a podcast and stuff today. And we were talking about, um, uh, she's, she was talking about how she's like waking up to her psychic gifts and she's mm -hmm. meeting all these cool people who have these amazing gifts. And she's talking about how this is only the tip of the surface. Like things are going to get weird. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of reminds me of like visions and blessings of old are returning, you know. <laughs> and so I was kind of like, "Am I going back into that?" But you know, it, there's something about leaning into the synchronicities. And I talked about this when I was talking about with her today. The podcast and is one of the first things I've done where I feel like I've approached it from more of a feminine energy perspective where like, you know, going to school and getting a degree and working and climbing the corporate ladder has been very goal oriented and masculine and driven. Whereas the podcast has been more leaning into synchronicities, waiting, sending out a vibration, waiting to see what comes into my world, like with a feminine energy and then using the masculine energy to greet it. Mm. And the results have been, it's just been such a cool year. Um, we were reflecting on it, you know, when we went to dinner, it's just met so many cool people and so many things yeah. that the, my masculine side would never have set out the goal to even do if I was leading for my masculine. And so I think there is that thing when you're following the synch synchronicities, you're looking for the breadcrumbs of things that are coming into your realm and responding to those instead of saying, I know better. You're, you're meeting your subconscious in a way that you were talking about. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And, and trusting it. Yeah. And, and, and trusting that deep intelligence that's really running everything that I think that somehow I'm smarter than that, that yeah. I know what to do, uh -huh. that I, I can direct that intelligence rather than listen to it and let it direct me. Yeah. Somehow Are they even that. separate? What's that? Are they even separate though? Yeah. Good question. Talk about that more. Well, what do you mean? When you're saying, can you direct the consciousness within yourself? That's kind of like the recording you sent us. Like, can your tongue lick it, lick your tongue? Lick itself. <laughs> yeah. Lick itself. Yeah. Is it really that different? I think that they're connected. It's just about the awareness that's attached to both of them. 
Yeah. You don't have much awareness attached to your subconscious. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it reminds me of that ayahuasca experience I told you guys about when I, I, when I first talked with you, um, that I, I was struggling. And finally, when I got through that struggle, the, my inner self was saying, all right, that was cute. What was that all about? Like, I don't want ego death. I don't want to be obliterated. I don't want to be irrelevant. And the answer was that this isn't an ego death. This is a marriage. Mm. This is, this is bringing it, it. It's not. So I think to your question, Shalise, it's not that there's these two separate things, but the, the one, the ego is the extension of this larger unconscious intelligence, but because it's unconscious, that means it's unaware. So my ego doesn't really know or trust the rest of my deep inner self, inner intelligence, the central nervous system that is like knows what every cell in my body is doing and what every cell in my body needs. That's not information I'm holding in my conscious waking egoic mind, <laughs> but I have that in my deep inner self. And, and so am I, am I aligned with that? Am I listening to it? Am I trying to raise my conscious awareness of my own inner intelligence rather than continuing to ignore it because I'm not aware of it? Yeah. You're almost saying like, we're not separate, but the ego believes it's separate. Yeah. We, it's, uh, unconscious yeah. means unaware. Yeah. And we well, experience I, I, so much from that seat of the ego. Um, all of it, yeah. everything we experience, like we, we don't have any conscious experience is an egoic experience. Well, this is actually a topic that um, Mike came over. We were watching a guy, a live stream with Bruce Lipton. Are you familiar mm. with Bruce Lipton? Yeah. 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 So we'll um, t-shirt Glenn. <laughs> nice. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I have some really great t-shirts that guy has sent me. They have, they have party. his face on it. It's so great. <laughs> not, they're not that great. Um, <laughs> so uh, he was saying that 95% of our experiences are basically programmed. Like we're not yeah. actually consciously creating until, and this was the fun part. They've done multiple studies on the brain and they found that taking the quote red pill and being conscious of your experiences happens when you fall in love, like mm. the honeymoon period. And they were trying to figure out well, why is it different? And it basically reversed. Like when you fall in love in that honeymoon period, you're creating 95% of your experiences and only 5% are unconscious. Hmm. And they figured it out. It boils down to presence because when you're with that person, nothing else matters. You're fully in the moment and you're not using your logical mind to try and figure things out. You're just enjoying each other. And yeah. so I think that says a lot. If we can get ourselves into the honeymoon state of living our lives, get in love with your job or, or be in love with a new hobby or whatever it is that makes you so incredibly present, then you are in that creative state of building your life instead of just putting yourself on repeat. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, I saw something that he did several years ago where he, he went into a lot of detail about what cells in our body do. Mm -hmm. and, and how the cells in the body, like the, the cell is itself a living organism, very much like a human body is an organism. And the cells have the equivalent of a stomach, you know, or a digestive system or a circulatory right. system or a nervous system. And 
the the membrane of the cell will mm. open up and allow some things to go in the cell it will allow some things to go out the cell and it's almost kind of like a, a shape if the shape fit like if the molecule fits then it knows okay i can open up this if the molecule doesn't fit then it keeps it closed mm. it was really interesting as he was talking about what these cells do and and i'd have to go back and and watch it again because it's probably been three or four years since i saw this but it was really it, it really a, a game changer for me thinking about i've got trillions of these living entities inside of my body <laughs> they are my body <laughs> that are all communicating with each other rapidly sending information back and forth in uh, one of the points that he made was mm. in the nucleus of every cell is the information to become any cell in the body mm -hmm. it could become a white blood cell or a red blood cell or a neuron or you know a fat cell whatever it needs to be and um that's not information that I have in my conscious mind. I wouldn't be able to go and say, okay, you cells here, you go there, you become this, you go here and you become this. It's yeah. just doing it. That intelligence is already there and it's happening. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I found that really interesting, which almost pushes me more to the side of we aren't really connected to that intelligence. And it makes me think, yeah, we are just literally in skin suits. We're just souls in skin suits that because he said if you were to take out a digestive tract and put it on the table even without a brain it would still digest whatever you put in it because mm. it has its own brain in a way yeah the brain just says we ate it's time to digest but it doesn't actually give instructions on how to do it because the digestive tract already knows and so it makes me think well yeah i think maybe we aren't really connected to this central intelligence of our body we're just driving the machine with our our brain or with our soul yeah and it makes me wonder how much of the machine are we really driving or it just feels like we're driving it you know that kind of determinism versus free will <laughs> if we're really just along for the ride yeah i mean there's there's some things it seems like we've got control over other things that we just don't and that yeah. seems like what what and yeah it, it's a it's a big issue but it does kind of give a new meaning to like when you think of like leading from the heart or mm -hmm. or like when they say, you know, he was just thinking from his dick or something. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but actually, my, when I was on ayahuasca the first time, I, I oh, I've only been on it once, but <laughs> actually um, I was going back and forth between this whole thing. I am in control of my life. I have all the control and one I have no control mm. and maybe both are true. I don't know how both can be true, but there's a tension that forms in that, in that, in the, I'm just experiencing or I am driving. Creating. Yeah. And creating. And maybe there is that, there's that tension. I don't know. Hey, have you ever done an experiment where you just are like, I'm not going to make any decisions today. I'm just going to follow whatever my instincts are telling me yeah. yeah actually that's um our friend ashley easter she has this whole course on intuition and that was homework for one of the days was like just sit there and ask what should i do next and just follow everything that pops up into your mind um and she said when she did it it was a very synchronistic thing 
Like she Mm. ended up in the exact place that she needed to be that she didn't even know she needed to be there until she was there and was like, oh, wow. Which also comes down to presence. Are you present enough to hear the still small voice, if you will? Yeah. In your head. Isn't that it though? Isn't that what it is? It's intuition. I mean, I think there are many governing forces out there that can influence and whisper things into our ears, whether that's an angel or our higher self or a spirit guide or intuition, whatever it is. I do think if we pay attention, if we, if, if everyone stopped and paid attention more to the, um, the good voices in our head, I want to say like, <laughs> don't follow all the bad things. Um, but the ones that resonated with your heart center and felt good, I think we'd all be in a very different place because mm-hmm. I think we would naturally follow the path we were supposed to take instead of leading with fear and ending up in the wrong place or a place that doesn't resonate with our journey and our path. Yeah. That's the part like, how much can you trust? Cause that is a very scary thing to think I'm just going to do whatever pops up in my head. Yeah. Well, one thing that I really loved in the book, it's an ebook on audible um, or an audiobook, sorry, from Marie Manucheri, how to communicate with your spirit guides. Um, highly recommend, but she's saying that if, if something comes into your thoughts or your brain that doesn't feel like it's in love, then it's not your guides talking to you. It's probably just like a fearful thought. Mm. So I think really making sure you're in that heart centered space, even if it's something like, don't go down that road. It should never feel like, oh my gosh, don't, don't, don't go down that road. No, it's a bad idea. It should be like, you know what? Take a different road. It's, it's always going to be in like a love type of presentation to where you know that you can trust it. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. Um, have, have you read the book of the surrender experiment, Glenn? Uh, no, it's by the same guy who did, uh, the Michael Singer. Yeah. Michael. Yeah. And it's similar in that way. He just kind of decided one point in his life that he was just going to surrender. Right. And let, and surrender his, but that comes with also surrendering your emotions, right? You know, if something brings up fear, feel the fear, feeling it all, but Mm -hmm. his life takes a very interesting, it's a fascinating book and it, I've heard him talk about it, but I haven't, I haven't read it. So, so I, I, I remember that somebody offered him a job to be a teacher at a, a community college and he's like, okay, I'll do it. And that led to something. And then yeah. his interest in computers and then becoming a president of this company and then getting sued by the federal government. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, all of it, but it was yeah. an interesting path. And he wrote the book as he was being sued because one of his employees was, uh, what, what did he do? He like embezzled and cooked the books to make it look like Michael Singer yeah. was responsible for it. To try to like get him out, himself out of trouble, but fascinating yeah. book. But I did have one day when, uh, so Doug and I were actually on a trip with a friend up in Northern California and it was our last day there, our last f- full day there and Doug woke up with a dream where we went to the beach and he met a like this fairy woman named Flo and so we decided let's just go to the beach and go with the flow so we went to the beach it was called like Moonstone Beach we were there met a woman there we started talking to her she sent us to the next path right and 
it was called like Moonstone Beach. And then we were driving up there and all of a sudden we see Moonstone Winery. We're like, oh, okay, well, that's <laughs> where we're, you know. And we just followed any, like the sink, it was just followed the flow. And it was like a magical day. Not uh, Nothing like crazy came out of it. Like we didn't, but it was just a fun day, you know, and, and following those. And, but, you know, that's a lot lower stakes than thinking out. Uh, it was a small stakes experiment and it was great, but. Do you, do you think that there's anything, you know, if, if we have this deep intelligence that is giving us these promptings all the time, like you kind of made the joke earlier, Shalise, the still small voice, yeah. but, but this part of our, 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 our central nervous system that we're just not usually paying attention to uh, because we're not aware of it. Do you think there's any possibility that that is what prompted us out of the church is li listening to that? All, all of the conflict that we had about what we were feeling that was right, that what we were experiencing wasn't. I think absolutely. I, you know, and I mean, it was my, it was the, it, the cognitive dissonance that was, I mean, wouldn't that be the cognitive dissonance, I guess. The cognitive that, dissonance is the ego fighting against that deeper inner self. Yeah. That's and saying, so, I remember like in prop eight feeling like this is not right. But then having the ego be like, no, this is like the, the prop. The, br the, the brethren obey. Yeah. <laughs> obey the brethren. And then that tension becomes, it was too much. I don't know that. So yeah, I feel like there was a deeper, I think it did. Yeah. I think it could be a, a plethora of things. And maybe it's all of them and maybe it's none of them. But I feel like a lot of it is intuition. A lot of it could be part of this bigger soul contract that we agreed to before we came. It could be fulfilling part of someone else's story. Maybe you leaving, let me just take my own story. Me leaving the church could cause my extended family to know what it feels like to not really... Um, approve of my decisions or kind of like this puzzle that we don't really know how it all fits together, but it does somehow. And we're all fulfilling someone else's um, experiences in a way that we agree to. So I wouldn't put it all on intuition or all on spirit guides or all on higher self or whatever. I think it might be a combination of many things. But when you say the soul contract, wouldn't it be your intuition that kind of leads you to what your soul contract was? Yes, it could be. It yeah. could just be like a higher knowing, maybe even um, extraterrestrial nudges. Who knows? A little fresh. Yeah. I think yeah. I think it could be a lot of different things. I kind of think of all of those lots of different things as basically the same thing. I mean, technically, if you want to think of it in terms of <laughs> everything in the universe is connected, but I think we're such at an individuated state of consciousness that it's easier to put things into little boxes and think of what is coming from what. I don't know, that's just my perspective. But they would probably all come, I wonder if they'd all feel the same or not. But I guess yeah. that's when you get really in tune, right? Where you're like, oh, this is coming from my guides or this is coming from I don't know. This would be a great question to ask Kimber, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and everybody's going to 
be guided to different places because it's not like a one size fits all whether uh, you're supposed to be in the church or you're supposed to leave the church or, you know, if, if you've got these soul contracts, everybody's got to play a role and be someplace um, that, that there's a benefit being anywhere doing, doing anything that, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say is that if there's that deeper uh, intelligence that prompted me out, it might be my, my dad's deeper intelligence is keeping saying, stay in because that's the best place for him for whatever experience he's here to experience or yeah. however that goes. I don't know. Yeah. And well, and it could be in a way that like, if we're all here for like a certain vibrational experiences and to learn different things, you know, at least you were kind of talking about soul contracts and, you know, maybe in one I'm playing the perpetrator. So someone else can know what it's like to be the victim and I'm the perpetrator and, and maybe someone, their soul wants to know what it's like to really uh, stay in a orthodox repressive religion for a long time. And so that's an interesting thought that what if, if they're listening to their intuition, if it would keep them in the church or lead them out? I don't know. I mean, I'd hope it would lead them out, but. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, yeah, I, I, I think to, to, I don't know how to say this. I don't feel very articulate tonight. <laughs> Neither do I. I still have like sick brain. I'm like, oh, I can't yeah. gather my thoughts. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I guess what, it, I, I don't feel comfortable thinking that um, the decisions that I've made in my life are the right decisions for every single person to make mm -hmm. in their life. And because th then that puts me once again in that place of judgment where I'm setting myself up as a standard that anybody who deviates from what I think is the right thing, that then they're wrong <laughs> and I'm right. I don't want to do that anymore. You know, I agree with that. And I feel like we all have separate paths, but I guess where I'm grappling with it right now is that I don't believe anyone's hero's journey is within a, a religion that says, this is how you should live your life. Maybe, you know, that, that if you really take on your own individual, like this, I'm going to go find my, myself, my, whatever that is. I just don't know if you can do that within Mormonism or a religion like that. I don't know. I feel like, or maybe your journey is to work within that religion in some way. Um, I don't know. I guess my thought is, and maybe it's just my ego wanting this to be true. I don't know. Is that if you were really to follow your soul's path, you would have to be out of something that told you how to live your life. You know, are you, are you out of that now? Now that you're out of Mormonism, you're out of a place that tells you how to live your life. I mean, I still have things that tell me how I should. And I, I grapple with that all the time. Right. But it's, um, I mean, right now, I mean, I feel like there's still the things that keep me tied, like my corporate job or something is telling me how I should live my life or, mm -hmm. or even just, and so I keep following, falling into those similar traps, but I don't know. It's a good question. So, so then do, do you think that anybody who stays in the Mormon church is not following their 
soul path? I don't know. It's such a hard one. <laughs> that really is hard because I get what Mike is saying. He's saying that how can you possibly be awake to everything around you? How could you possibly be present? How could you possibly be actually connected to your higher self and still not see that you're being controlled by this religion? Right? Did I say that yeah, right? Well, I mean, part of it, and well, I guess if you're saying maybe not everyone's soul's path is to work on ascension in a way, if that's what we're working on or right. working on connecting all your chakras or however you want to say it, integrating, maybe they're not on an integration path right now, but if you are, I guess that's where it gets tricky because how can you connect to your sacral chakra with sexuality and freedom of expression within the confines of the Mormon religion? You, you're right. going to have a blockage there. You're going to have a, a a blockage in a okay. lot of your chakras in your in your yeah and not to get too much in the chakras but like i don't really know much about chakras so there are energetic points like acupressure and acupuncture is based on meridians in the body and even like chakras we have tons hundreds of chakras in our body but the main ones run down the center and each chakra each energy space kind of controls different organs within that area. So the root chakra, which is red in color, is at the base of the spine. And that's the chakra that controls basically, are you safe? Are you eating? Do you have water? Like all the basic needs. And then when you go up, so that I think the, the, that chakra is like intestines, if I'm correct. I don't know. The next one is the sacral chakra and that's all the sex organs and so if you are blocked in some sort of way they're not going to function properly so it's about clearing that energy and helping them helping everything flow and what i've learned about chakras is it works from the bottom up so if your root chakra is blocked every chakra above that is going to be cut off and so it's really important to align yourself energetically because we know that the body is just energy moving very, very quickly. It's not actually solid. So when you attune yourself to a frequency that is resonant and in harmony with each other, then your body should technically function at full capacity. Does that make sense? I don't know. I don't know. So what Mike is saying is there's a really good chance that if you're in Mormonism, you have a blocked sacral chakra because we've been taught at a very early age to shut it down, mm. to block it off, to resist yeah. urges, to not care for your sexuality. And maybe people were lucky enough to flip that switch once they get married, but maybe they're not. And maybe they're still blocked in that area. So how can you fully connect with yourself, with your energetic body? Um, which we know we have, we have an energetic body, we have a physical body. How can you really connect with yourself if you have all of these blockages that are probably caused by an oppressive religion? And even to, to go outside the chakras, like how, how can you learn to drop all judgment? If that's really the game we're playing, if that's really what it is, um, and maybe that's the question, but then how can you learn to do that when you're in a religion that teaches so much black and white and judgment? Um, mm -hmm. 
And so that's another part too. So that's where I just feel like, unless there, so like maybe there's two parts. If, if their soul is here being like, I don't want to play the integration game. I'm here for a different game. Fine. But like, I feel like, I don't know. (laughs) I I feel like I'm being (laughs) self-righteous. No, you're not. I think you're just being perceptive. Um, Because I do think now, especially within my generation, the millennial generation, a lot of people are half in and half out. It's not black and white anymore. Um, People my age are kind of dipping their toes in energy work, even though it's frowned upon and it's not really part of the church, while also trying to maintain sacred covenants and the idea of the afterlife and the kingdoms and whatever. I think you're going to start to see more people breaking off into their own flavors of Mormonism because they are waking up to themselves and they're waking up to the world around them and they're realizing that it's not so black and white. That's what I'm seeing and noticing. Interesting. Everyone's embracing that they're, everyone's really a cafeteria Mormon because Mormonism can't even decide what's even on the, on the table, <laughs> <laughs> right? On the menu. Right. Like you can't even have your own planet anymore. What's the point? <laughs> Is that a thing? Does yeah. That, they come out and said that? What? Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge, I'm so shocked that you haven't seen it. It's been oh, plastered I'm over. I'm so like, unplugged from all of this stuff. I really am. Yeah. It's on every post-Mormon page, like people posting articles about it and being super pissed off because in a Q&A section, which is directed at, at people investigating the church, it has all of the controversial questions about Mormonism and they're basically backtracking on a lot of stuff. And getting your own planet is one thing. It, it straight up says like, no, we've, that is not doctrine. We've never taught that. Like gaslighting everybody who ever learned that they would get their own Where planet. Where is that? It's on the church website. No, no, no. I mean, but the the, the doctrine, the teaching that people will get their own oh. planet. Because <laughs> I, I, I remember when I was in as a TBM and ex-Mormons would use that like to, to throw stones. I'd like, it doesn't say that anyway. It's not that we'll get you get your own planet. It's that you become like a God, like God doesn't have a single planet that you get a planet. And that's, you know, I was like, you just become like a God, whatever that means. I don't know what I've been seeing planet comes from. I've been seeing a lot of people posting actual prophets in their general conference talks, talking about it. And I think it comes from DNC, right? DNC or Abraham. I think it's DNC that, that mentions it. And maybe it's the way people interpret that. Um, I mean, I don't remember yeah. either. I just remember, I remember talking speculating as a kid about what we would do on our planets, but, um, but oh, I, I remember learning it yeah. for sure, because I remember specifically in that lesson saying, oh my gosh, I can't wait to create my own planet. Cause I'm going to make the sky pink. And my teacher said, you can't. And I was like, why it's my planet. And she goes, <laughs> because you have to follow the laws of science. I'm like, but I'm going to create science. And she's like, no, you can't. And I was like, then I don't even want my own planet. I was so yeah. mad. You guys feel so like- I specifically remember being taught that. Yeah. Do you guys feel like we'll, we'll, we'll be our own planet someday? Be our own planet? Yeah. I don't want to be a planet. <laughs> you don't want to be a planet? <laughs> that's, that's one of the things that, that Wendy Kennedy has said that uh, uh, intelligent beings in the 12th dimension, what they do is they focus their attention and they create the planets and the solar systems. And they're, they're the intelligent energy that is responsible for this whole container Mm -hmm. 
that we're in universe galaxies planets and stuff so yeah maybe maybe you have to have a strong nervous system of that right to like really feel all of it at once all of earth at once <laughs> yeah i yeah jeez huh. yeah fascinating <laughs> anyway <laughs> i guess where i'm where i land on it is this right now the whole thing about like i was just thinking about it can i can i articulate it on this uh, whole integration thing in the church. Like, now this is my current view and I can hold it loosely and be changed. I think that's a big thing. We should hold everything loosely. But if people were really following their intuition, it would lead them out of the church. But maybe, you know, the game they want to play in this one is I want to be more in my ego and I want to experience, you know, the ego is going to, but, or they're doing it for different purpose. But if they really follow their intuition, their gut, they would leave. Mm. I, yeah, I can't get on. I can't get on board that train with in good faith, Mike. I, and you don't have to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I think there, there has to be situations where people are being completely true to themselves, and they're still in places that we would disapprove of, mm. for whatever reason because we just don't understand why I have this thought about an oversoul that is, is living multiple lives at once. And all of the lives are informing the other lives and all of the lives combined are ways that the oversoul is playing the game of integration. So maybe the, maybe the lifetime is to develop a bunch of bad judgmental habits so that another life can, integrate it. I don't know. Yeah. You, you've got to have the, the, the positive and the negative together. And, but it's a composite of all of those life experiences. And so some of these lives are going to be doing things in more darkness and shadow. And some of them are going to be doing in more light. But if, if you've got a soul intention of going into the shadow, then if you're listening to your soul, it's going to take you into the shadow. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we have a question to ask Kimber and Wendy Kennedy next time. Everyone. Yeah. 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 Well, do you have to go, Mike? Oh yeah, I gotta take my son somewhere. But all right. Um, I'm I'm getting a telephone call from John Hamer. Hang on a second. Oh, okay. Hey, John, hang on just a second. All right. So. Uh, yeah, good to talk to you guys. Yeah, this is a fun discussion. Yeah, and Shalice, if if Kimber is able to reschedule again. Um, I'd love to do it. Just yeah. Love to talk with her, but yeah, maybe I just need to schedule something with her. Yeah. Cool. cool. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. Talk to you right, later. Guys. So, do you think it's a synchronicity or just a coincidence that John Hamer called me and uh, led to the episode that you're going to hear next with John Hamer and Randy Snyder? I don't know. Maybe it's this coincidental synchronicity. Who knows? John Hamer says no. But something to look forward to for next week. Down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Hey there, thanks for listening all the way to the end. Now, I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I have more to say about this topic, and I'm going to do that with a follow up behind the scenes sharing time episode on Patreon. So, if you're in a position where you can throw me a few dollars each month to support the work that I put into creating this podcast, please come and support me on Patreon 
where you'll also get access to additional content. Did you know that I also create sharing time episodes that are available only to Patreon subscribers? I've been doing that for a few years, so there's a lot of content there that you can have access to. So please come and support this podcast if you can. I greatly appreciate it. Hi, this is Hillary, Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Dashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes. And take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts flow past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight, laying down on such a night. Choosing love when I pick up this mic. Thank you.